Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Thanks for the invite. This is a pretty sweet party. Yeah, we're happy you make it you and your party shirt. I gotta bust out the shirt every once in a while. It's sure? a good time to bring it out. Party <laughs> shirt, yeah. He always makes a mess of everything. It's not that good. Doesn't look that bad. You'll see. This is gonna be the best party ever! Do I need Bluetooth? Sarah, get off the Bluetooth so I get this thing going. Bluetooth, please! For the love of Santa! Bluetooth! Anybody! I need your music! I need the tones! You will find me! Can we keep music down, please? Chacho. Thanks for the party. It was a bomb. You weren't invited. Uh, yeah, I was, and you're on a toilet paper. Alright, it's time for you to go. What's up, ACF? How you guys doing? Welcome to church today. And we're so glad that you're with us. We are starting a brand new series today called Party Foul. It is the party season, and our goal throughout the month of December, coming into the Christmas season, is to take a deeper look at some of the way that we spend our time uh, during the holidays. We actually believe that as God's people, that we have a, a divine calling from God to be people who celebrate well, and in such a way that people around us notice uh, the way that we party, the way that we celebrate. We actually think that it's a really important thing uh, beyond the Christmas season to be people who know how to enjoy ourselves, how to laugh. We believe that uh, laughter is deeply spiritual. It's a gift from God. And so the whole goal here uh, as we come into the Christmas season is to take a little bit of a step back. Uh, from all of the busyness, all of the parties that we're going to find ourselves being a part of, and, and ask ourselves the question, why are we doing this? Is there a deeper purpose in all of this? And, and the overarching theme that we're going to keep coming back to uh, for the next three weeks is the theme of hospitality. 
What does it mean to be a hospitable people? And, and, and throughout the generations, God's people have been a hospitable people. We are called to be those who welcome other people into the family. In fact, for a long time, we had a, a big sign on the side of our building that just said, Welcome Home. And so if you're new here today, new to ACF Church, that's what we want to say to you. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Our, our goal is that you would feel like this is a place for you, a, a family for you, that you can be wherever you're at, at your journey with Jesus, and that you can be part of this community. And so that's really what this is going to be about. We're talking about party fouls. So do you know anybody like the guy in the video? If, if you don't, then it's you. You're the one... That's the party foul person, right? I don't know what you think of when you think of party fouls, but a party foul could be defined as an act or instance of unpleasant or unacceptable behavior at a party or other social gathering that sucks the life out of the room, right? I mean, it could be like spilling someone's drink or, or, or wrecking the mood somehow, showing up uninvited, telling a socially unacceptable joke that nobody knows how to respond to, Right? I think maybe we've all been guilty of that at one point or another, or have been in a, in a situation where somebody has, you know, done a, a party foul in one way or another. But we're going to go deeper in this because I believe that God's people, like I said, have a calling to celebrate, that we are to be a people of celebration. And I would say this, that the greatest party foul in the world today is that we as Christians haven't learned how to celebrate life in a way that compels the world to ask Why? That's a party foul. Like, like, Christians should be known for those who celebrate, and yet I don't think this is really the case, if we're honest, right? Do, do your friends, are they like, you know, I want to throw a great party, you know, who should we, we should invite? The Christians, right? The Christians are going to make it awesome, and we know it's going to be a, a great party if we invite the Christians, and, and, and yet that should be the case, that we should know how to celebrate, know how to enjoy ourselves, and to do so in such a way that causes our friends and neighbors to ask why. Why does he have joy amidst the suffering? Why does she have the ability to celebrate despite the brokenness in her life or in this world? And so there's something deeper going on here, and this ancient practice of hospitality is a calling for every individual in the room that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. That we're to be hospitable, to welcome people into our lives. This is really, I think, an important part of our ministry. Uh, a question that I've been asking as I've been studying this uh, idea of hospitality is how do we help introduce people to Jesus in this cultural moment? In this cultural time where people seem to be so opposed to the things of God, opposed to the Bible, opposed to Christianity, what would it look like for us to introduce them to the real Jesus? Well, if we look at history, we look at the church in the past, what we see is when the church has exploded, a lot of it has happened because God's people have been those of hospitality. God's people have welcomed other people into the family. And as hosts, that movement of the gospel has gone, gone far and, and wide. And so that's our goal as a church is to be those who are sharing the gospel with others. A way to define hospitality, if you're like, that's kind of a weird word, I don't use that word very often, uh, you could define it like this. Hospitality is turning strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. I like that definition. Turning strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Or with our language as ACF Church, we could define it this way. Hospitality is amplifying the grace of Jesus through food, friendship, and fun. Amen, right? 
I mean, you can show the grace of Jesus through food and friendship and fun. We should be leading the way in enjoying ourselves and not having a cheesy smile on our face no matter what, but understanding that we have a deep-seated joy in life despite our circumstances and feelings. And if we don't have that, then we, we have to wonder if people are really seeing good news in our lives, if people are really understanding the gospel through the way that we live. And the truth is, once again, it's a tragedy that the church is not known as those who know how to party, those who know how to enjoy themselves. And and if you're from a, uh, I don't know what your background is, I don't know what your history is, I'm not just saying, hey, just get wasted and drunk at your next next Christmas party, and then people will see the gospel, because that's not the case. But what I am saying is that we need to be the kind of people who put thought and energy into how to enjoy ourselves in such a way that it would compel our friends and neighbors to ask why. And I think, honestly, we have to look at what does it mean, like, if we're not those who know how to enjoy ourselves? What does it mean if the church aren't uh, the type of people that are hospitable, that invite others in in such a way that they want to be there? I honestly believe that deep down this becomes a love problem. That we can't love our city and love our friends if we are not people of hospitality. And in fact, in the book of Romans, uh, we see this this section of uh, chapter 12 that's talking about what love is. And it defines love in a variety of different ways. But in verse 13, it says this. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints... Okay, so contribute to the needs of those who are fellow believers in Jesus. But then it says, seek to show hospitality. Now, now think about that. This isn't just something that happens to us, but it's something that we go after. So it shouldn't have to be Christmas. It shouldn't have to be a, a special celebration or a special occasion or holiday for God's people to seek to show hospitality. It goes so deep. This is actually what love is, is that we would be those who welcome the outsiders in. And in fact, we read this in the book of Leviticus chapter 19. And, and really, Leviticus is part of the Hebrew scriptures, and its intent is to teach God's people how to live in such a way that we reflect God's character to the world. Okay? So Leviticus chapter 19 says this, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. That's a big deal, right? I mean, this is a deep sort of hospitality. I mean, you've probably opened your home for a party once in a while. I mean, you've probably uh, shown some sort of hospitality to people before, but this is a different way that God's people live. I mean, we don't just invite people that we like in. We don't just invite people who are like us in. We actually invite the stranger, right? The sojourner, the traveler, somebody who is maybe different than us into our families, right? He says, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so deep down at the bottom of this idea of hospitality is an understanding of who we were before Jesus, What we need to understand is that all of us in this room, if you're a Christian here today, that you were the outsider from the family of God. You were uh, estranged from God himself. And without Jesus, you could not be part of his community, part of his family. And yet through Christ, we were brought in. If we go all the way back to the beginning, you go all the way back to Genesis, what we see is that God is the perfect host, right? Right? 
God creates the world. He creates humanity and says, it is good. And we have this beautiful environment. You see man and woman placed in the garden, right? And God hosts humanity, creates a beautiful place for them. And then humanity says, I know a better way. We said, we know a better way. We feel like you're keeping things from us, God. We feel like you're holding out on us, God. And so then sin enters the world. And I would define sin as the ultimate party foul, right? I mean, God is the perfect host. He says, come on in. And in in reality, we are like terrible house guests, right? I mean, you've had somebody like that before. You invite them into your house and they, you know, they leave. There's holes in the drywall, right? Stains in the carpet. They didn't help with the dishes, right? If you would look at the way that we relate to God, this is really where it began is God says, I want to host humanity. I'm hospitable to you. I'm going to create this beautiful, perfect environment for you. And we said, nope, we got some, something better. We got better ideas, God. We can do better than this. And after that, that relationship was broken, And you're like, well, I can think of a time where that happened, right? I invited them over, they left my house a mess, and now I don't call them anymore, right? Now we don't talk anymore. And that's kind of what happens. And and the same is is similar with us and God, that there's this this broken relationship between us and God. We're like terrible house guests. But then God himself comes to earth in the form of a man. Jesus, who was the insider, not the stranger, but the insider, he actually makes himself the stranger. He makes himself the outsider. He becomes a man, is ridiculed and beaten, and then he is crucified for us. Once again, this is the big picture, and this is the why behind hospitality. I totally get this. This could be just another sermon where Brian gets up and tells us we should live more like Jesus, and we go home, and nothing changes. The way things change in our lives is if we understand why we're doing things. And the why behind hospitality is you and I were both strangers. We were outsiders. So I would say it like this, that we invite others in the same way that God invited us in. Just as we are. So what you need to know today is as you come to church here on a Sunday morning, that wherever you are at, you are welcome here. Wherever you are at with God today, wherever you're at with your faith today, Wherever you're at with the church today, you are welcome here. We say this a lot. You don't have to believe to belong to be part of our family. You don't have to be a a, a Christian to be part of this uh, community, to be on this journey. We are all at different places together, and yet we sit together in this room and are all part of this same community. We want to invite you in to be part of all of this. So Jesus shows up to the world. And Jesus shows up sharing this story of this never-ending party. I would describe it this way, that he talks about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is the eternal celebration of our victorious God. Jesus comes telling about how there is this day coming where all wrongs will will be made right, and, and everybody that wants to be in God's family will be in God's family, right? And this world will be restored and rebuilt, right? So Jesus shows up sharing this story of the kingdom of God. The question is, do we share the same story? Does my life share that same story of restoration and redemption and of welcoming the outsider in? Or does it not? Does my life really look like the love that Jesus' life looks like? Do I know how to celebrate? Do I know how to party in the way that shares the kingdom of God? 
one of the questions that I had as I was thinking about this is, what are the barriers to this? Why don't we do this? Because the Christmas season, although we probably go to a lot of parties and maybe plan parties, the reality is normally it's people that are our best friends, people that are like us, people that we enjoy, right? Uh, We're no different that we tend to uh, want to invite people in who we enjoy. And yet this kind of biblical hospitality is completely different than what we see in the world. And there are some serious barriers to it. Uh, I think the first thing is that we live in this Western society of hyper-individualism. And we think a lot about how my family's doing, how my job is doing, how my bank account is doing, how my stuff is doing. And so we tend to think more inward, right? We live in a world of isolation, not in one that necessarily is trending towards community. One of the things that we struggle with, too, is that we tend, not all the time, but sometimes to value our possessions over people. I struggle with this. I, I struggle with feeling like I got to protect what I have. And I, here's the problem. This is what twisted, what's twisted about it is I tend to keep people out, whether it's out of my home or away from my stuff, and I hide my sin under the guise of good stewardship, right? Oh, God, but I'm protecting my home. I'm protecting my stuff. I'm protecting this money. And so one day I'll present it to you, right? And it'll be nice and clean and shiny, just like you gave it to me. Right? And so we tend to value our possessions over people. I want to tell you, and this is what I've been convicted of this week, is if I'm not leveraging what God has handed to me to make his name known to other people in our city, in my neighborhood, in our community, then I am not being a good steward of what he's handed me. See, God is the host. I'm not the ultimate host. God has hosted me and handed me things to be used for his kingdom. But I tend to value those possessions over the people that are in my life. Because I worry like all of you, right? You plan a party and you're always thinking, man, what are their kids going to do to my basement, right? What's my house going to look like when it's done? Some of you are thinking about what happened a few days ago after Thanksgiving. You are still fixing holes in the drywall, right? And this 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 is where it gets real. And this is where it gets hard. And what you need to know is that hospitality is not easy. I promise you, if you begin to step out in this, this, this God-honoring type of hospitality, it's going to cost you something. It's probably going to be harder than you ever thought it's going to be. But the potential for God to use it will be so great, I promise you, it's going to be worth it. It's always going to be worth it. We have to get over that fear, right? I think another, another issue is that we're afraid of outsiders. We're afraid of people who are different than us. This is what's so different about about Christian hospitality is that we are to seek after people who are different. The the outsider, the stranger, the sojourner, the refugee. And you're you're maybe like, I don't know too many refugees, Brian, but you do know that person that didn't get invited to Thanksgiving dinner anywhere, right? You don't know, know that person at work or at school that you're like, man, if they got an invitation to anything, I'd be surprised. I mean, you know people like that. You know that neighbor who's a widow who just needs someone to come over and bring her a meal, right? And just show that they care. You know people like this. And this is what's so amazing about the family of God is that we show hospitality to the people that maybe other people are not showing hospitality to. So we value possessions over people. We're afraid of outsiders. One of the things I think that's common is that we just have relational burnout, I know a lot of people that are just simply out of room for friendship, right? You're like, Brian, I can barely keep up with my family. I can barely keep up with my my close friends, let alone those type of people, the outsiders in my world. I think we avoid awkward moments. 
I don't like awkward moments. I'll be honest with you. I'd like to avoid awkward moments as much as possible. If you invite people who are different than you into your home, there will be some awkward moments. Awkward conversations around the table, right? I mean, you know that person that if you invite them over, they're going to talk about Trump and it's going to get weird in your living room because you know Uncle Jim or Uncle John over here, he's got different political stance than than this guy over here. So you're just like, I don't want to get them together, right? It's going to get weird. Maybe the weird is worth it. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe in that space, God's going to use that to open some, some doors. And this is really what we're promised, is that, that the Holy Spirit is active and working in the lives of our friends and families. Do you know that? That you are not the only one having a conversation with them on a spiritual level. And so when you open your home to them, maybe there'll be some awkward moments, but trust me, the Spirit of God is at work before you and through you and after they leave. And so we have to believe that God wants to use this space that he's given us for that. This last one I think is really important. Um, Maybe one of the biggest barriers to hospitality, I believe, in the United States today is this. Pinterest. (laughs) I'm just being real with you, right? Especially you ladies. You go on Pinterest and you're like, my house doesn't look like that. And until it looks like that, I'm not inviting any, anybody into this place, into this mess, right? There's dirty underwear on the floor and there's laundry stacked up in the corner. And there's, here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. I know that it's fun and nice to go to a nice home that's taken care of and everything's perfect. But, you know, for me, after a little bit, I'm not comfortable in that space. You, do you ever find yourself at somebody's really nice house just like dreaming of your stained couch at home? And you just want to like go back and you know where you're comfortable and you just be yourself? I mean, what if the, the space that you have, whatever it might look like, is the perfect space to see God use you and use that, that location to share the gospel with somebody? What if that is the location that God wants to use to do something miraculous in someone's life? I'll tell you that trying to have the perfect place or just the perfect meal or the, you know, the perfect setting at the table is almost the opposite of what biblical hospitality is. I mean, this biblical hospitality, it is radically ordinary. It's just ordinary people using their ordinary stuff to do extraordinary things through God's spirit. And so what if it's just different than what you think it's supposed to be? And what if you're worried about all kinds of things that Jesus isn't worried about? So I want you to think, what is my barrier to inviting people into my life this Christmas? What is my barrier? Because everybody has something in this room. I mean, if you're a teenager, you have a house you probably live in or an apartment. You should probably pull your parents into the conversation. But you have a space to use, right? Uh, If you do have an apartment, that you might say, well, it's too small. It's not too small for God to use. I promise you that. Maybe you have a big house, you know, and you've got lots of room. Maybe God wants to use that. Here's what everybody in this room today has. Everybody in this room has this building, this place. I don't know if you know this, but if you're part of ACF, this place, it's yours. You're welcome. You just got a building. This place is yours. This is your space. This is your family. So what that means is every single week, you have a chance to invite friends to the party. My question is, are you doing it? Can you think of the last person that you said, hey, come to church with me. Uh, We're going to hang out. We're going to sing some songs this Christmas, and then I'm going to buy you lunch, right? When's the last time you did that? Can you think of their name? Can you think of who they are? Can you think of two or three people that you are planning on inviting 
into this gathering, into this family. And, 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 and we're going to talk a lot about this coming into Christmas because Christmas, you guys, is the easiest invitation of all the year, right? I mean, this is the easiest time to invite your friends to, to join the family. This is to be hospitable. And you might be like, well, it's weird. I don't want to invite them to church. I'll tell you this. I think it's weird if you don't invite them to church. I mean, I don't think, I think it's really weird that we would say, no, these are my really close friends. They know that I follow Jesus. They know that I go to church, but they also know that I have never invited them to be part of this piece of my life. Like, I think that's really weird. And so what if this Christmas season you said, listen, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to invite my friends and neighbors to be part of this. And even go beyond that and say, well, I'm going to invite them to my house, no matter what it looks like, even with the mess, even with the underwear in the corner, right? Even with the torn up couch, whatever it is, I'm going to trust and believe that God wants to use my space as a backdrop for miracles to happen. And what if that could happen? I was reading a book this week, uh, and just the title had me convicted. The title is, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Let that sit on you for a minute. The gospel comes with a house key. In other words, sharing the good news with people, but saying, I don't want you part of my life, probably doesn't sound much like good news. Like, oh, I love you. Jesus loves you, but I don't want you in my life. Definitely not my house, because it's a mess, right? And the author says this. The author says, hospitality is necessary whether you have cat hair on the couch or not. People will die of chronic loneliness sooner than they will die from cat hair in the soup. Come on. One person's excited. Praise the Lord. Isn't it true, right? Especially in Alaska. We live in a lonely state. We have a lot of people, especially in Eagle River, who are a long ways away from home. Have no family and no support. I mean, we have no excuse. There is no shortage of people in our city who need radically ordinary hospitality poured out upon them. No shortage at all. They're everywhere. They're in this room right now. They might be sitting next to you. They might be sitting in front of you. They're all around. We have no excuse. If you're going, I don't know that person, you do. You know who they are. So whatever your situation is, people are struggling and, and the worries that fill your mind that keep you from being hospitable, are they the same things that Jesus is actually worried about? So I want to go to a story in Mark chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can open it up and follow along. This is a very well-known, famous story. Uh, it's the healing of the paralytic. What we know about Jesus is Jesus was a very hospitable man. Which is really interesting because he says the son of man has no place to lay his head, right? Jesus didn't own a house, (laughs) but he knew how to use other people's houses as places of hospitality. And other people were always opening their homes for Jesus to use their homes as a potential backdrop for miracles to happen, which is amazing. And so Jesus shows up. We know he's been working some miracles. And, And in this story, what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the host, So everybody here today, I want you to imagine you are the host for this moment in time. So you have swept up the floor, you have put out the chairs, you've brewed the coffee, the guests are arriving, and you decided to host this, let's let's call it like an ACF group or a life group. So you're hosting an ACF group at your house, and guess what? Jesus is coming. 
Jesus is invited to speak at your life group. It's going to be a big night. And in and, and coming to your house, the word is getting out about what's going on at your life group tonight. And so Jesus is going to be there. There's three different kinds of people that are going to be there. First, there's going to be the skeptics, then the seekers, and then the saved. So you've got the skeptics who are these uh, religious leaders who are going to be in the room, and they're going to be picking at what Jesus is saying, looking for holes in his arguments and in what he's doing. They're looking to uh, reject the idea that Jesus is the Messiah, right? And then you've got the seekers in the room. They've heard that Jesus is performing miracles, um, which is sort of like free health care. And so they're like, hey, free health care, no deductible. I'm showing up at your life group, right? That sounds great. I'm going to bring my, my, my sister. She could use some help, right? And so you've got the seekers. And then you've got the saved, people who are following Jesus, people who believe that he is who he says he is. So let's read this story. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Once again, not his home, someone else's. Your home. He's at your home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Okay. So just like you thought, your house is packed, right? People are everywhere. You're running around trying to figure out, I'm out of chairs. I don't know what to do with them, right? There's already stains on the carpet, right? People are squeezing in, which means stuff's going to get broke, right? Right, that little piece of glass that your grandma gave you 10 years ago, it's already in pieces on the floor, right? People are squeezing in to your living room. And then the needy people start showing up, right? The sick start showing up. The physically broken start showing up. In verse 3, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Okay, so this is where the story kind of picks up a little bit, is there's this man who's paralyzed. And uh, one thing we need to understand is that for this man who was paralyzed, his life was really hard. I mean, like, excruciatingly hard. Difficult, difficult beyond, I think, what money, many of us would understand, because for him, as a paralytic, this was a different time. I mean, he, he probably had sores all over his body from being, you know, laid in different places and not moved around like he needs to be. I mean, this man probably felt sick all the time. And this is far, be, far before titanium wheelchairs and neurotechnology to help him, like, move things with his mind, right? Like, this man has a really, really difficult life. And beyond the physical struggle is what's going on socially. Because in their society, if you had a physical ailment of some kind or another, it meant that God was judging you for your sin. And so you were considered unclean. And the people didn't want to be around you. They didn't want to let your, your sin rub off on them, right? And so you've got this guy who happens to have four friends, which is incredible. And what we know about this man is he's, he's, he's not a believer, but he shows up to this house expectant. And, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you came here to church today and you're like, I'm not sure that I'm a follower of Jesus, but I showed up expecting something. I want you to know that God blesses expectancy. I mean, believers or not believers in the room, if you show up expecting something, I think that God will meet you here. If you show up expecting nothing, that's probably what you're going to get at church. And so he shows up, they show up expecting something, expecting something miraculous to happen. Verse 4, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. 
And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Okay, so remember, you're the host. This is your house. And you're trying to figure out how to fit everybody in this room. And you see at the doorway, these men with this paralyzed man trying to get in. And they go away and you're like, phew, man, I don't know what I was going to do with them. We couldn't fit another body in this place anyway. And they, this is Alaska. So they go back to their pickup truck and they have a chainsaw in the bed of their truck, right? Because that's what everybody has in the bed of their truck in Alaska. And they get the chainsaw and you can hear it. They, they, they're, they're around behind your shed. They find your ladder that you hide behind the shed and they lean it up against the shingles on the roof and they climb up and you hear the, the noise on the roof and Jesus is speaking, but you're like, you're the homeowner. So you're aware of what's going on. And then you hear, boom, right? You hear this chainsaw fire up on your roof. And you're like, what's going on? And then before you know it, the blade is sticking through the roof of your living room and there's drywall and there's all kinds of insulation falling down and then all of a sudden there's a hole that opens up and then five little heads just (laughs) just looking down at you and you're like what is going on and I just imagine like the room got silent these people are trying to figure out what is happening what we read in Luke's account of this story is that that there were tiles that were like falling down which which this actually means it was a really nice house Like, we're not talking about a fixer-upper here, right? This is a really, really nice house, and now there's a hole in your roof. Verse 5, and when when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is kind of an awkward moment, and I just noticed this as I was reading it this week. I mean, this man, what did he show up to Jesus for? He wanted to walk, right? I mean, he's been paralyzed. He wants to walk, and Jesus goes, your sins are forgiven. My first thought was, was he disappointed? Did he understand what Jesus was saying to him? You see, Jesus always deals with the greatest need first. For for this man and for us, it's, it's our sin. It's our rebellion against God. It's the broken relationship that we have with God. He is the perfect host. We are terrible house guests. He makes a way to build a relationship with us. And so Jesus, who is God in the flesh, looks at this man and says, your sins are forgiven. He deals with his deepest need. Verse 6, it says, now some of the scribes were sitting there. Now, These are the religious people, and they're sitting, which means they walked in and took the best seats in the house first, right? Because there were not enough seats for everybody in the room. You set out a few chairs hoping the right people would get them, but who takes the best seats in the house? The religious leaders do. Take the best seats in the house. The The scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Awkward moment. See, we think we can just think things. And if we don't say them, we're not responsible for them. For them, you know, Jesus knows their hearts, right? He knows what's inside of them. Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, 
and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So you're the homeowner. You're on the phone with Allstate. (laughs) And you're arguing about deductibles and actual cash value versus replacement cash value of your roof, and you're trying to figure out what's going to happen to my ceiling, and you look over, and Jesus is still talking to this paralyzed man, and you're trying to figure out what to do for your home, and then that paralyzed man stands up, and there's just a hush in the room, and people go, I have never seen anything like this before, and all of a sudden, all of your attention shifts from your stuff to this man, and you realize that this home that God gave you is now a backdrop for a miracle. Now, any of us could want that, right? Once again, are we worried about the things that Jesus is worried about? What if your space could be a backdrop for a miracle? One of the things in this moment that I noticed is that there's a lot of hospitality happening. You've got Jesus being willing to speak to this man, You know, I mean, clearly there's a faith that's going on here. I mean, these are good friends. Any of us would want some friends like that who are like, we're not taking no for an answer. We're going to find a way to get you to Jesus. I mean, there's a whole sermon right there, right? Are we those kind of friends that would just find a way to get our friends to Jesus no matter what? Do what it takes. So there's some hospitality there. In the group, you can imagine all these people are in this house. They're listening. They're making space for Jesus to talk, for this interaction to happen. Any of them have needs, right? They all have personal needs. You've got this homeowner who's put his house on the line. I mean, we don't read anything about like, and then Jesus healed the roof, right? I mean, we have no idea. This guy just, everybody leaves and he's like, well, dang it, you know, like, what do I do with that now? I I mean, we don't know what happened, but there's a cost involved with hospitality, right? Right? What I realized is this, is that everyone is showing hospitality except for those who knew the most about the Bible. Isn't that tragic? I mean, I think that's a tragedy, is that those who knew the most about the character of God, those who read the scriptures, because these were the scribes, right? Which means the scribes were, they were like the professional theologians of the day, right? They like sat around sipping single origin coffee and arguing about predestination, right? That's, that's these guys. And they show up, they know the scriptures, they know what they're called to do as God's chosen people, and yet all they can do is grumble under their breaths about Jesus. They completely miss the miracle. They completely miss the moment that's happening right before their eyes. And I was thinking, do you spot this kind of religious thinking and behavior in the church today? Maybe you spot it in yourself. Maybe it's the kind of person who's like, man, don't be friends with those type of people of those different beliefs, of those different faiths, right? You can't be around those type of people. Don't open your home to outsiders. It's way too risky. There's way too much at stake, right? Don't let your kids associate with those kind of people, right? And, and I'm a daddy of three children, right? And, and I was really dealing with this in my heart this week. Like, what would it look like for me to make this part of my life in a deeper way? 
And I'll be honest, I fear for my kids sometimes, right? I mean, any parent in the room is like, what kind of language is my kid going to learn if I invite that person over, right? What new words are my, are my children going to learn if I invite these type of people into my home? I mean, you might even be worried for their physical safety or your physical safety, and it's keeping you from showing hospitality to those who need it. At the deepest level of all of this, I think our lack of hospitality is a faith issue. I mean, I honestly believe it's either we don't think that God wants to use our space as a backdrop for miraculous things to happen, or we don't trust that he will give us everything we need to continue on the mission that he has for us, even if our junk gets broken, or even if little Billy learns some words that we have to then deprogram after a few days down the road, right? Like, at some point, this issue of not having hospitality does become a faith issue, right? So back to that question, are you worried about what Jesus is worried about? The right kitchen decor, the best first impression, a seat for everyone, a big enough house. 1 Peter 4.9 says this, it says, show hospitality to one another. I love this caveat Peter gives us, without grumbling. And some of you are like, no, I invite people over, but then your wife hears about it for the next hour after they leave, right? Or your husband, your parents, your kids, like, I love that Peter knows our tendency, which is to find Jesus, I'll show some hospitality, but I'm going to gripe about it the whole way, right? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, because we've all received different gifts, use it to serve one another. So your gift has been given a purpose, as God's, as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is so important. The gift that you have, even if you think it's too small, or if maybe even think it's too big, is actually a gift given to you by God to be used to serve one another. And we're to do so as stewards of God's very grace. Once again, if you're not using what you have to declare the kingdom of God to the world around you, then you are not being a good steward of what you have. That's how we show grace. If you're writing things down, write this down. Hospitality signals God's grace to the world. It's a way that we signal the grace of God to the world by inviting in the sojourner, the outsider, the widow, the orphan, the needy, just the ostracized, just the person that nobody wants to be around, right? And we invite that person into our lives. And in that way, we show them the grace of Jesus. And how many of you know that that's probably more important than what you tell them? You can tell people all about the grace of Jesus. Oh, God loves you and I love you. But it really makes a difference when you show them God's grace, which is what Jesus does in this moment. In Mark 2, 9, he says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Which is easier to say, I love Eagle River, or to invite somebody into your home? Which is easier to say, I love my neighbor, or to ask them, what are you doing for Christmas dinner? I love that Jesus says, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to show you what love actually looks like. I was thinking about for this guy that owns the house. What a blessing. What a blessing. I never thought about it before. 
What a blessing it is to have a hole in your roof. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see it that way naturally, but when we see it through the lens of God's kingdom work, and when we believe in our hearts that God could actually do extraordinary thing, things through ordinary moments of hospitality, then it's all going to be worth it. Every bit of it. And if you could get on the other side of what God wants to do in your space, you would believe it too, right? I mean, on this side, you're like, man, is it worth it? But on the other side, when you see that neighbor or friend come to a saving knowledge of the grace of Jesus in their life, you're like, I would put holes in every wall for that. The problem is we just don't believe God wants to. We just don't believe he wants to use us. And I just want to call out the lie. He does. Everyone in the room, he wants to use you. A few weeks ago, we put, a, we put an old couch up for sale. And it was like stained and the armrests were all kind of torn up a little bit. So we put it out on Facebook Marketplace just to try to get rid of it. And some friends of ours, a friend of ours specifically, she Facebook messaged us and said, hey, um, I'm really sad about the couch. And I was like, why are you sad about like a stinky, stained up old couch? And the thing is, she was in our life group for years. And she goes, no, no, I'm not, it's not just the couch. She said, so much life happened on that couch. So much life happened in your living room. She's like, I cried on that couch. I laughed on that couch. God, God changed my heart on that couch. And I just have this vision in my mind of us being the type of people in, in this church that when we sell a stinky old couch, that our friends and neighbors have to walk through the, like the five stages of grief. Because so much has happened in that living room. So much has happened on that couch. They just are sad to see it go. Are we those type of people? And once again, the why always matters. We have to come back to the cross because I believe that the cross was the ultimate act of hospitality as Jesus invited sinners to be members of God's household once again. This is such good news. The cross is such good news. Do we celebrate in such a way that people believe it's actually good? So here's what I want you to do. Would you pull out your next step card real quick here? Um, if you're new to ACF, this is kind of a new, a new routine of ours as a church. Uh, we realized that it's really easy to leave here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and not do anything with this. And so if you would just pull this out real quick and, and bear with me on this, because I know some of you, you're like, man, why are we doing this? The whole point is that we would leave church and indicate in a, in a physical way that we're going to do something about all of this. Because I have better things to do with my time if we're not actually going to engage our hearts with God's kingdom outside of this one-hour service. But if we're going to move forward, I mean, you do too, right? If we're going to move forward together, then all of this matters deeply. And so what I want you to do is just check a box, and then this week I want to text you a little bit of an encouragement on how to move forward in this one area. We're not going to sign you up for anything, so don't worry. It's not like a sales pitch. We just want to encourage you in one of these areas. So Maybe the first is this, commit your life to Jesus. Maybe today you just want to receive the hospitality of our loving God and be welcomed into his family. And if that's you, uh, we want to celebrate that today's your day to give your life to Christ. And I just want to say welcome to the family, if that's you today. The next thing you might want to do is to ask God to give you faith to be hospitable. Maybe you realize you have a faith problem. You either don't believe that God wants to use you or you don't believe that he can take care of you if something just goes wrong, right? You're worried about things that Jesus isn't worried about. Maybe you just need some faith and then you need to take a step in that 
How about this? Um, that you would invite someone over that you wouldn't normally invite. Here's the question. This is the question. Listen, what are you doing for Christmas dinner? That's it. That's a loaded question, isn't it? Because you're hoping they say, I've got plans. But they might say, I don't know. What are you doing? And I just want you to know that that's an important question that every single person in this room needs to ask over the next month. And the fourth one, um, you might not think is that spiritual, but I think it's extremely spiritual, is that we would just throw better parties. I think God's people need to be known as those who throw the best parties, who know how to celebrate, who know how to make great food and pour out hospitality and blessing on those who come into our homes, right? I mean, for you, maybe that's just like you buy the best ramen noodles that you can possibly afford and you make them just this amazing cuisine that you learn how to make on YouTube with spam and ramen and like, it's going to be awesome, right? I don't know what that looks like for you in your life, but that you would throw great parties, that you'd know how to invite people to celebrate. And next week, we're going to talk all about what it means to eat and to drink to the glory of God. It's going to be a good conversation. So would you stand up? I want to pray for us as we move on in worship today. God, you are so gracious to us. And as we move into this Advent season, we're reminded of God incarnate. God in the flesh. God with us. Not God at a distance. Not the God of separation. But an intimate, loving creator who actually wants us in his life. So God, we thank you that you've invited us in that way. I pray that we'd be able to do the same with our friends. We'd be able to do the same with the stranger, the sojourner, the struggling, the depressed, the lonely, the hurting, the isolated. Jesus, give us love where there isn't real love. Convict us where we've given lip service to what it means to share the gospel. And show us what our next step is, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.